as we turn our attention to the word, the word of God. Lead me, guide me along the way for if you lead me I will not stray Lord let me walk each day with thee lead me oh lord lead me now we got that now turn the heat on 68 lead me guide me it works along the way come on church for if you lead me for if you lead me, I will not stray. Lord, let me walk, hallelujah, each day with thee, holy me. Oh, Lord, lead. Now, we're going to stomp this one now, okay? Let me, can we do that? We, we got rhythm, right? Mm, lead me. Mm-mm. Lead me. Come on, church. Mm-mm. Guide me along the way. Along the way. Come on, Sister Benson. Mm-hmm. For if you lead me. For if you lead me, I will not stray. Hallelujah. Lord, let me walk. Hallelujah. Each day with thee, lead me. Church, me help me out. Oh, lead me, Lord. Lead me. Oh, come on, brothers, can't hear you. Lead me, Lord. Lead me. Now point at yourself. Lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Lead me. One more time, lead me, lead me, Lord. Oh, Lord, lead me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise. Give the Lord some praise, church. Is he worthy, Lord? You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He's a mighty good leader, hallelujah, hallelujah. From earth to heaven, hallelujah, 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, verses 20, verses 47 through 49, we read, And Mary said, I'll give you a chance to find it. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For mighty, for the mighty one has done great things. For me, holy is his name. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Some of you don't know that I have a, an allergy issue. And if air isn't circulating, I know the heat's not on 68. <laughs> so... That's what the 68 is all about. I'm going to ask you to turn that one towards me a little bit, bro. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 When I get to heaven, I won't need that. But until then. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This pastor that I just mentioned who recently retired at age 66, uh, his church it's the largest in Chicago, Salem Baptist Church, and uh, pastored for 43 years in the hood. So 43 years really is in dog years when you pastor in certain contexts. It's just different. It just is. But he was sharing about a series of sermons that he preached after watching the crime rate and the cruelty in this city just reach epidemic proportions. And so he decided to do a series on kindness for no reason. Kindness for no reason. So the strategy was is to have this campaign where his members would go to the gas station with $20 gift cards and they would wait at the pumps and after the person started pumping their gas they would say, "Hello, my name is and I'm from Salem Baptist Church. We would like to help you pay for your gas." We know that gas prices are extremely high. Even though they're going down, this was at the height of the gas price increases. And people would look at the members and say, we got this, we right, we all right, we all right. And the reason they said that they were all right while complaining about the cost of gas as they pumped it into their cars is they questioned the motives. Who would do something good for no reason? What, what, what's the scheme here? What the, what, what's the trick? And so they rejected the offer for $20 towards the balance of their 
gas costs. So the pastor came up with a new strategy. We're going to go to the grocery stores, and we'll stand at the end of the checkout counter, and once the cashier balances or checks out or adds up the uh, tally of the bill, uh, then we will offer to pay the entire grocery bill. That sounded like a great idea. So the members uh, would stand at the end of the line, and they would ask the person in line, can we help you? We want to pay your entire grocery bill. Would you allow us to do that? And they said, I'm good. Now, they're at the Dollar General buying groceries with nine kids, but they're good. The reason they were resistant to the blessing is they were suspicious about why would somebody be kind for no reason. When we come to our text today and revisit the Christmas story that you're not going to find on Lifetime, but on the pages of Scripture, God does something that he didn't have to do for no reason. <laughs> for, for, for no reason. He fulfilled a promise he made to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. Now, from the day the prophet Isaiah uttered those words, every Jewish girl who was a virgin had to secretly hope that that promise would be not the lottery, like we in that line, we're hoping that this is going to be our chance. No, no, that the promise that Messiah, that Emmanuel, God with us, would be not only conceived, but birthed through my womb. 800 years after the prophet Isaiah made that prediction of the Son of God being conceived and birthed through a virgin, the promise was fulfilled. The angel Gabriel appears to a young teenage girl named Mary. And here is what he says in verses 27 through 31. He says, uh, uh, and let me just read the words that are recorded there. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a ghetto, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and he said, greetings, salutations to you, for you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled. She was scared, y'all. At his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And here it is, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him 
Jesus. 800 years. God's promises may be slow, but they're always sure. Someone said that a thousand years with the Lord is as one day with man. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years with man. And that God is not slack concerning his promises, but he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Aren't you glad he waited? He waited. He waited. He waited. But it took 800 years, and Mary got that call. When Mary realized that she had been chosen, listen to her response, as I've already read earlier, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. What, what Mary was actually saying is what we should all say as we prepare to celebrate Christmas and the birth of Christ is he did it, but he didn't have to. He did it, but he didn't have to. He chose me, but he didn't have to. Now, the first thing I want to consider as we look at God's decision is that what shocked Mary and shocks us about God does not, it's not an accident or it doesn't surprise him. That's a double negative, but my point is this. God is not shocked by what shocks us. And so we're going to see as we reflect on the plan of God that it didn't start in the city of Nazareth. It didn't even start 800 years prior to the announcement of Gabriel, the prophet, the, the, the angel, the messenger of God. But it started back in eternity past. Somebody say eternity past. Amen. That's before time was time. Amen. That, that's before there was a when to be a there and a now. You follow me? Eternity passed. And so God had a plan from eternity past, and it included, this blew my mind as I thought about this, it, it included a provision for forgiveness of sin just in case mankind needed it. Just in case. I always wondered, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says, all who dwell on earth will worship him whose name is not written in the book of life. This is talking about the beast, and it says, whose name is not written in the book of life, which is the lamb, the lamb that was slain. All will worship him. Let me, let me read that again. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose name has not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain before the foundation. So they're talking about what's going to happen in the end times and how people are going to worship the beast, receive the mark of the, uh, of the beast, and so forth. But he says, in reference to the Lamb's book of life, who, who in the Lamb's book of life is the book of Christ, but what the, the key point of the verse is that he was slain before the world even started. So God had a plan for you and me, just in case Adam and Eve didn't make it. So before there was a need for forgiveness, there was a provision for it. So Jesus was slain in the spirit, in, in the spirit realm, or the, the, prophetically in the past, 
even though if Adam had obeyed, that provision would have never been activated. It would have never been necessary. So his plan included that provision of forgiveness for our sin. Thank God he gave us a free will. Adam had a choice, even though Jesus was already dead in the sight of God in terms of what would be necessary if man had, and as Adam did, disobeyed. Now, this plan of God that was established in the eternity past was initiated in the garden when Adam sinned. When Adam sinned, the plan that was on hold was initiated, and we read in, in Genesis chapter 3, this verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and she shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so the Lord says, through the wound of the woman, I'm going to give birth to a son who will ultimately destroy the works of Satan once and for all and all of his minions so that sin will be a, not only something that we will ultimately be free from, but sin will come to an end because God says in the garden, I started a process that at some point there's going to be this woman that Isaiah predicted would conceive and give birth. So the promise was, was, was planned in eternity past, but when Adam sinned, the, the, the ignition key turned. And God said, here's how it's going to happen. It's going to happen through a wound of the wound of a woman, and through the wound of a woman, Satan's, heel, Satan's head will be mortally distorted. So this is a prediction how the cross would ultimately be the end of Satan, even though he was celebrating as if he won. Started in eternity past, initiated because of sin in the garden, but was activated when God ushered into existence a new dispensation called the period or the time of the Gentiles. The time of the Gentiles is the church age. We are living in the church age, and that simply means that God, prior to the church age, Prior to the cross, he was reaching the world to come into a right relationship with him through the nation of Israel. But we know from Scripture, the Bible said, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, but the world didn't, they reject, the world rejected him. So not only did they not know him, they refused to receive him. And so what God has done for a season, he has set the nation of Israel to the side, and he's grafted in to the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. And apart from me, you can do it. So he's, he's grafted into the vine, the nation of Israel, who's connected to the Messiah. The Messiah came to the nation of Israel, and he's working primarily through that aspect of the vine called the church. We are in the church, the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of the church. So this plan started in eternity past, slain before the foundation of the earth. Adam and Eve sinned, and God says, through the wound of a woman, a baby will be born. And ultimately, that baby would be born in the fullness of time. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of son. So the plan has been activated as a result of the fact that we have now been ushered into this new dispensation called 
the dispensation of grace, the church, the church, the church is the body of Christ. The church are those who have placed their trust in the finished work of Jesus. The church is not the physical individuals that you see, but those who have literally been born a second time. Jesus speaking of the church in John chapter three, he said to Nicodemus, who was a part of the nation of Israel, but not going, ultimately a part of the church that began in Acts chapter two. He said, except the man be born again, except the man be born from above, born from a second time, I'm born of the spirit and not of the flesh only. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so when I place my trust in the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross, he that knew no sin became sin for me and for you, that through his death, God deposited into our bankrupt spiritual account the righteousness of God. And so when God looks at you and me now, he sees us just as if we've never sinned. So God had a plan. It didn't. None of this took him by surprise. He's not shocked and amazed. What we learn about in the fullness of time is that this fullness of time would include at least three things. He said he sent, he sent forth his son. This speaks of the deity of Christ. Jesus did not become the son of God. He always was the son of God. He is the eternal son of God. He is his mogogenes. He's the only one of his kind, the only one of his rank. He is unique. Uh, uh, no replicates, no duplicates. There's none like Jesus. He is the firstborn of all creation in the sense that he created everything that was and everything that is without him creating it, it would not be. The Bible says that, that God, Jesus had, did not have to regard or fight to become equal God because he existed in the form of God before taking on human form. He always has been the eternal son of God. He always has been. And so he says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, his eternal son. This word son is just functional. A son can be a father. A son can be a child. A son can be a man. And it's one person, but he can have three different functions. When Jesus is called the son, that doesn't make him subservient to God. That just focuses on the particular role he played when he came into the world. He came to fulfill the will of the Father by voluntarily. Are you with me? Are you with me? So he's the eternal son. He sent his son. Not only did he send his son in the fullness of time, the Bible said he would be born of a woman. That speaks of his humanity, his humanity. So not only is he deity, the eternal son of God, he is humanity. He is God in human form. In John chapter 1, verse 14, said, in the word, that existed in the beginning with God and was God, the word took on, the word, the Bible said, the word became flesh and it, he dwelled among us and we beheld his glory as the only mogul, as the only begotten of God. So Jesus, who existed in spirit form, took on physical form that we might see God represented through him in a physical way through what we call the incarnation. Somebody say amen. amen. He was born under the law. Born under the law, in the fullness of time, he'll be born under the law. He who created the law, he who's the law of the, he's the God of the Sabbath, submitted himself to the Sabbath, submitted himself. He said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. What do you mean? You are the law giver. The law proceeded out of your mouth. But so not only is Jesus displaying in the fullness of time his deity, his humanity, but his humility is on display. He emptied himself that he might become the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. Are you with me? God had a plan in eternity past. God had a plan. God's plan for our salvation was conceived in eternity past. 
initiated in the garden following Adam's sin and activated when mankind rejected all of his offers of repentance uh, and, and, and provided and has now provided us a final offer to return to him, a final offer to return to him, to return to him in these last and evil days. Amen. I'm glad Evan had good hands. Amen. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, through the animal sacrifices, through the Levitical system. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Watch this. In God's eternal plan, there would be a time that we're living in now where there would be a final opportunity for us to get right. He said in these last days, the prophets were rejected. The sacrifices were rejected. The Levitical system was rejected. No one was able to meet the perfect requirements of God's law. But I have provided one last opportunity, as, 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 as Luke says in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Neither is there any other name given unto heaven whereby men must be saved. Jesus saying of his he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can what? Come unto the Father except by me in these last days. What started in eternity past, the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth, what was initiated in the garden, I will send through a woman, the servant who will kill, the, destroy the works of the enemy, and was activated in the fullness of time, now that we're living in grace, has now come to its conclusion in the person of Jesus. This is our last opportunity to receive. So what took Mary by surprise and shocked her was not a surprise or an accident with God. Somebody say amen. God's ways, though predicted in his word, shocked Mary. How many times have we read the scriptures and when God did what he said, we just blow, we just like, ah, this is crazy. This actually happened. I'm thinking about Rhoda when they prayed. They had an all-night prayer meeting. Peter was about to be beheaded, and there was no way that he was going to be released. James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, had already been killed. And so it was Peter's turn up next for the chopping block or the hanging. Well, how are they going to ever kill him? And the church said, we better pray. We better call on the name of the Lord. How I many of you know there's power in prayer? And so they begin to cry out to God, and, 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 and they, they called out all night. And the Bible says that God caused a miracle to occur. Because prayer will release miracles. Prayer will release that which is in heaven. That or The Bible said, loose what's in heaven so that it'll be loosed on earth. Prayer will bind what is bound in heaven on earth when we lift up the name of the Lord. How many, how many of you know that that word? And so when Peter was loosed, he made his way to the house where they were praying. The church was praying. And he knocked on the door, and Rhoda came to the door. And he said, and yeah, he is. And I could just hear me, this is Peter. And she said, slammed the door and walked back in the house. And we, we were praying that it would happen. We didn't believe that it would happen. How many of you have prayed for things and God actually did it? And it shocked you. How many of you have looked back and you've seen all the times that you thought that God had forgotten you, but miracles were being released all around? You just didn't have eyes to see that it was God. That it was God. So even though the word revealed how the sa the, what, that the Savior would come, it didn't, didn't tell us how, other than she, he would be conceived and, 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 and be, being, be, being birthed, the details of it was not fully known. But notice uh, how Mary responded with what she was surprised by. She said, 
how will this be in verse 34? She didn't say what, like we're going to see uh, 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 um, that she didn't question what God could do. She didn't know how he was going to do it. Amen? Amen. Now watch this. Now here's the, the messenger says, you're going to give birth, re- reiterating the story. This is what Christmas is all about. It's about the virgin birth. It's about the virgin birth. We got a lot of false prophets in churches today preaching from the pulpit. We're sending our money to them. We listen to them. We got them on our podcast. We make sure we see them every day. They don't believe in the virgin birth. They don't believe that Jesus is a second member of the Trinity. They don't believe that you can have salvation. They think that God, Jesus is just one manifestation of God. He's not a distinct individual, self-existing person that is interdependent on the Godhead. They don't believe in the Trinity that the Bible clearly teaches. And so when we talk about Christmas, we're talking about the deity of Jesus. He was virgin born. He always exists. We're talking about the incarnation of Christ. He took on human form. We're talking about the authority of Christ. The Bible said he would be great, and he would rule not only... as as the king of the kingdom on earth, but he would ultimately rule over the entire earth forever. Somebody say amen. Amen. He would be called the most high. This speaks again of his deity. Mary asks, how can this be? How can this be? Uh, It's interesting when God shocks us, it is in the how, not the what. He tells us what he's going to do. Now, you, you pray for a husband, but he didn't tell you that you've been looking at your husband for the last 10 years. You pray for a husband, and God took five years to prepare him spiritually before the two of you met. Now, I was shocked uh, three weeks ago when a woman, 70 years old, from Uganda, gave birth to twins. Twins at 70 years old. She's sitting in the bed smiling. I think somewhere in it said her husband divorced her, but <laughs> but God will shock us. A Caucasian couple ends up giving birth to two African American black kids. God will surprise us. And then when they did the DNA, the DNA matched. So it wasn't hanky panky. God will surprise us. My question is, when is the last time God surprised you? Uh, When is the last time you looked forward to something out of the ordinary? Or has your faith in God become so routine that you don't expect anything out of the ordinary? I wonder today if the thrill of who God is in your life and what he's capable of doing, like uh, B.B. King used to say, the thrill is gone. Has the thrill gone? I want you to know that God will shock and amaze us. In fact, the scripture said, Paul said, he will bless us beyond what we can imagine or even comprehend. God is in the shocking business. God is in the amazing business. God will blow your mind if you would simply line up with his will. Mary didn't understand the how, but she was willing to allow God to have his way. Are you willing to have his way? I wonder this morning if you came to church waiting to be shocked, or were you just, oh, are we going to get here at 10? We'll get out of 12. Are you expecting the routine? Are you expecting the supernatural? I want you to, uh, that God has something for you right now. If you would simply have eyes to see that they that are for us are more than they are against us. God, I want you to, uh, just like prophet, the prophet Elijah prayed, 
He said, Lord, open his eyes. I pray today that somebody's eyes might be open and see that God wants to amaze us. God wants to astonish us. God wants us to be awed by him. God wants us to be on our faces because he is above and beyond anything that we can ask or think. I'm talking about he, not the gift. We, we, we looking for the gift, but I'm looking at the God who is the giver of the gift that will blow you away if we would simply open our eyes. Mary was shocked and amazed. But that's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. Now, when God reveals how he's going to do something or what he's going to do, we have two choices. We have two choices. And when you get an opportunity in Luke chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, you read about the priest named Zacharias. The angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias. He was married to a woman named Elizabeth. And they were old. They were beyond their childbearing years, beyond menopause, and beyond all the stuff that goes on with the brothers, our seasons of life. And so they were cool with the fact that even though it wasn't believed to be a blessing if you didn't have children, that somehow you sinned or there wasn't, God was not pleased, and, and people interpreted it that way. The angel Gabriel pre- appeared in the temple as as uh, uh, the as the as the priest was selling, was doing his priestly duty. Somebody say amen. And Zacharias, when the angel said, "You and your wife are going to have a child," Zacharias said, "What? <laughs> what?" So he didn't ask God how. He challenged if God could do it. The what is. He can he can he? It, it, it was a challenge that God, you can't do this for me. You may do it for somebody else in the church. And so the angel said, "Since you are so, here's the first response: you can doubt the promises of God, or you can trust them." Zacharias doubted the promises of God. And God said through the angel, "Since you doubted me and you challenged me with your words, until the baby is born, you won't speak a word." And so for nine months. A preacher was silenced. <laughs> Zacharias could not talk. He doubted the promise. Are there promises that God has made you that you're doubting? When God says what he's going to do through you, and you're asking what? The question, the, the, God said he's going to do it. There's no ambiguity about the plan, the promise. question is, will you trust him? But and, this, and Mary, Mary, on the other hand, she trusted God. Mary said, I am your servant according to thy will. That ought to be our response to the word of God when you're reading the scriptures for what God is saying to you. How many of you, every time you read the scriptures, God is talking? Because the scriptures is the very voice in the, in, in the words of God. And so as you're coming across the promise, the question is, Lord, what would you, I am your servant. This was her response, according to your word. Whatever you say you want to do, I will submit to it. I'm your servant. Is that your response? Is that your response? Mary didn't question what God was going to do. She asked him how. She asked him how. And the angel gave the explanation, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God, Emmanuel, with, Emmanuel, God with us. And then he gave a revelation of how this would be confirmed. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said not to be, she was unable to conceive, will be six months pregnant by the time you get there. Mary said, I am your servant according to your will. And so he says, this is how it's going to happen. Here's how a virgin will conceive and give birth to the Son of God. This will not be through your husband, Joseph, because if Jesus had been conceived through the seed of Joseph, he would inherit our sin nature. David says, I was born in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me. Sin is not passed through the mother. It is passed through the seed of a man. And so God says, the seed that will impregnate you is none other than the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, like Adam, will be born without sin nature. And so the Bible says we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was sinless, and so the Holy Spirit is the source that caused a virgin to give birth to the Son of God. Now, I'm so glad she didn't question the how. She was just willing. However you choose to do it, Lord, whoever you choose to bring in my life, Lord, However you, help, however you choose to enable me to accomplish your will. She wasn't like Naaman. Remember the story of Naaman? He was a leper. He was rich, and he had all the credentials, a mighty man of valor, uh, a general in the army of Syria. And, 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 and one of the servants of Israel overheard his wife saying, I wish my husband could get healed. All the doctors, all his money, all of his, uh, all of his shore insurance, nothing can take away this leprosy. My husband is going to die of an incurable disease. And the servant... Of, of, of Israel, who was a captive, but not bitter. She was in bondage, but not enslaved by, by her circumstances. Her circumstances include, and she said, well, I know a man of God. <laughs> and if, 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 if Naaman could just meet this man of God, I believe that God can heal him. And so he had a conference set up with Elijah. He brought his entourage, his limos, and all of his, all this gold. He's going to pay the preacher, and he's going to show him how important he is. And so he gets to the house of Elijah, the prophet, and the prophet doesn't even come outside to greet him. And, and name it like, what? Do he know who I'm is? Yeah, he knew you were naming the, le the leper, <laughs> the leper. And so the prophet gives the message. His servant said, well, tell Naaman, here's how he's going to get his healing. He needs to go outside and dip in the Jordan, the dirty, swampy, muddy Jordan River, and he needs to do it seven times. And, 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 and Naaman said, are you kidding? Do you think I would ever? I could have stayed in Syria. And he talked about all of these great rivers he could have dipped in and et cetera. And so he refused to receive his miracle because it didn't come the way he thought God should give it to him. Thank God for a servant who said, if he'd asked you to do something hard, you'd have done it. And so here, here's what's deep. So, so Naaman, finally, in order to get what God has for you, you need to humble yourself. The Bible says, draw near to him, he'll draw nigh to you. He resists the devil, he resists the devil. I give grace to the humble, but I resist the proud. In order for you to get your miracle, in order for God to shock you the way that he said, I'll bless you beyond what you can answer, you need to humble yourself. You need to come under the mighty hand of God. And so when he came under the mighty hand of God, he stepped in that dirty, muddy, swampy water called the Jordan. Now, if he only had stepped in the water, he still would have remained a leper. 
But the scripture said he had to dip seven times. Seven times, seven times, and on the seventh time, the scripture says, he came up from the water and his skin was like that of a baby. I want you to know the how of God's blessing will sometimes mess us up. The how God's, the Bible says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. That's why we need to, that's why we need to renew our minds. The Bible says the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the our mind. We need to learn how to think like God. So if Jesus decides to spit on some mud and put it on your eyes, and tell you to be okay with it, you can walk away and get your hair. I ain't talking about no Todd. What to do Michael Todd spitting in your face? I'm talking about Jesus, the healer, who will give you sight. But in order for you to get the sight that God has promised and available to you, you've got to do it his way. Even when it doesn't make any sense, even when it goes against your flesh, even when you don't feel like sometimes the Lord is trying to get your backside up at night to pray and to call on somebody's name on, on their behalf. And you're too tired. But God is you, what you don't understand is that God is trying to do something in your life. In order for him to do something in your life, you've got to do it his way. Somebody say amen. Do it his way. Mary said, I'm your servant according to your will. Are you at that place in your life where if God decides that he wants to do something new, are you willing to say yes? It's dirty. He don't look, he ain't tall like the one I thought. He don't look like Pastor. <laughs> he sure don't drive no nice car. I ain't trying to take care of no man. The question is, how are you going to do this? And if God reveals this as the how and the who, you better say, at thy word. Amen. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'm your servant. Let it be done. Now, why does God do what he doesn't have to do? The scripture says that you are blessed, merry, and highly favored. What he says of Mary in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, he says of us, we have been predestined to be God's adopted sons. We are highly favored. It's called grace. You, the reason why God did this for Mary is because he can do it, not because she deserved it or earned it, but because by his grace, you are highly favored. You have found favor with God. You have found favor. Before we were even formed in our mother's wounds, by grace, the Bible says we were saved. And the faith that we even exercise to receive, I said, by faith we are saved through faith, through faith that God gives us to accept him. Stay with me right now. We're moving, we're moving, moving. Still with me? She was blessed and highly favored. But here's what's interesting. She was the recipient of grace. Mary was the recipient, not the dispenser of grace. You don't have to pray to some statue of Mary. Hell Mary, full of grace. <laughs> Mary was born of human origin. She had human parents. She did not become the eternal mother of Christ when she conceived, when the baby was implanted in her by the Holy Spirit, as the Catholic Church teaches that she is holy, she's immaculate. She's not immaculate. That's why she prayed to God as her Savior. She was in need to be saved just like us. So you don't have to get on your knees and pray to Mary. Mary can't bless you. Mary was a recipient of a blessing. I can't even bless you. I can say, Lord, Lord bless you. But ultimately, blessings come from the hand of the Lord. And so she was a recipient of grace by God's sovereign choice. Aren't you glad that you are a recipient of grace? 
The Bible says that God has chosen the foolish things of the world that we might confine the, the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confine that which is strong. God has chosen the things that are ignoble that he might confuse the things that consider themselves sophisticated and important. God has chosen the things that don't exist to bring to naught the things that do exist. God speaks into existence things that don't exist so that we will not be able to take the glory, but he gets the glory. Somebody say amen. So that he will get the glory. That's why God did. So when we think about God doing what he didn't have to do. Hello. Amen. Hallelujah. He gets the glory. Now, how did Mary respond? I'm just going to say these things quickly. She responded obediently when he told her to go to Mary's, uh, to her cousin's house, the wife of Zacchaeus. She immediately went, and when she was talking with Mary, the way God confirmed the promise, and this is what God will often do, when he gives us a promise that is for us, he will confirm it. Somebody will say something, you'll see something, you'll hear something, that lets you know, how did they know that? How did this, this circumstance, so when, when Mary showed up to Elizabeth, the Bible says that John the Baptist, who was born through Elizabeth and Zacchaeus, the baby leaped in her womb. <laughs> the baby kicked. I guess about that karate kick. <laughs> this is her. And God used that to confirm the miracle that he promised. So, so she, she responded obediently. She went to Mary. She responded confidently. When God makes a promise to you to do something that he didn't need to do for you, you knew he said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She's confident. I'm, I got faith in this. God said it. It's settled. It's already done. Is done. She responded thankfully, and Mary said, my soul, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in the Savior. She began to celebrate the Lord. My soul, this is a praise, my soul rejoices in the Lord. I am grateful because he did what he didn't have to do. He did it for me. She responded humbly. She said, for he has been mindful of my humble estate. I have nothing that I could have offered to God. Just think about the salvation that you've received. There's nothing that we could have ever offered. The Bible says, by grace we are saved through faith that not of ourselves is the gift of God. It is by grace that we're saved. Not works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing and renewing and the regeneration of the Lord. He, by his righteousness, he's done this. And finally... She responded expectantly, humbly, expectantly, confidently. What he, what he has done for me, in verses 50 through 56, he said, he'll do it for others. He'll do it for others. That's expectation. So God will do for us, and he has done for us what he didn't have to do. The fact that you are here this morning, uh, the prophet Jeremiah said, he said, by his mercies we are not consumed. Great is his faithfulness. And so the, the, today is another example of what God has done that he didn't have to do. I don't know what is in store for you, but I, I believe that if you continue to walk in the favor that you already have and, 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 and speak life into your situation, God will continue to reveal the things that will get you towards your destination. Would you stand with me? He did what he didn't have to do. Somebody said he did what he didn't have to do. He's not shocked by the things that he's already predetermined for us. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament